Okay, so it is December 14th. Ruth and Nick recording lesson 1.2 for the Footner program. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone listening, and welcome to lesson 1.2 of the Footner program. I'm Nick. I'm Ruth. And we are honored to welcome you to the second lesson of the program. Uh, thank you for being here and thanking, thank you for making a commitment to taking responsibility for your health. Uh, in order to improve our health, we first need to define, we need to define health and we need to develop probably a, it would be good to develop a shared definition of some of the common principles of what is packed into health. So that's kind of the objective for lesson 1.2 is to uh, stimulate some discussion around the idea of defining health for each of us and kind of coming to a collective definition of health or an idea of what that looks like. Um, so if you have any questions about the lesson, you can feel free to message Ruth or I on Slack. And if you want to contribute or submit content, uh, you can submit a pull request on GitHub. So let's dig in. And I think the first place is to start with just defining health. And health is very subjective, as it should be, right? Everyone's going to have their own definition of health. Uh, and I think that's a good thing, right? Like we should all have, uh, I don't think a lot of people form a definition of health. This is something I realized when I started asking myself, like, what do I actually mean when I say health? Like, I know, I understand the the six pillars and, but what is it, what does it mean to me? If someone says, what does health mean to you? I, for a long time, I couldn't answer that. And so exploring that myself was a really interesting and insightful exercise. Uh, and then I started asking other people what health meant to them. And very few people had a meaningful definition, had, had even thought of that. And it's funny how we always want to get healthy or we want to approach health, but if we don't have a definition for what that means, how do we know where we're going? Mm -hmm. And so you know, as an experiment, before we even keep going, pause this lesson right now and write down your definition of health in your log, in your health log. And it's a really insightful exercise. And if you write it down now, it gives you a reference point to check back on later as you continue learning. And in my experience, I found my definition of health to be very dynamic and very flexible. And it shifts because my understanding of health is constantly shifting. And so, um, Ruth, I'd love to hear your definition of health. Mm -hmm. I would love to give you my definition of health, Nikki Pop. So Nick and I postponed this talk because I needed to reframe my definition of health. And I was digging in because it does shift and change based on my understanding of health. And so, and it, this felt really important to me. So I wanted to really take the time. And I have, I came up with three parts of my newest, most recent iteration of what I believe health is. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so I have full understanding that I have everything I need inside my brain and body um, to adapt, to navigate, and to problem solve my way in an ever-changing world and my life around me. That's part one. Part two is with that understanding, um, I also understand how and practice accessing the full pharmacy inside my brain and body um, so that I'm not dependent on medications, um, electronics, recreationals like smokables, dabables, combustibles, injectables, whatever other so kinds, bowls. all so many bowls um, in order to participate in my own life on a daily basis and to participate in the community around me. And the third part of this is the result of that short term is that the quality of my life improves drastically and is super satisfying and long term which i think is more important should i have the luxury of living a long healthy life which is not the most important thing it's the daily quality of life that's important and why i choose health but long term should i get the privilege of living a long life i am not a burden my ill health is not a burden to the people that I love and care about around me. And I'm not taking up an extra hospital bed for an unnecessary um, disease that could be reversible in what seems to be a very big conversation around overtaxed medical institutions. Boom. So, Boom, Nikki Pop. Seriously, it's, it's important. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great three-parter. And, you know, my definition is way more scrawny, but, uh, I want to say my definition, which is my current working definition. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to say, mention some things that health is to me because yes. it takes on, it can take on a lot of different meanings. Um, but yes. my definition of health is 
the process of learning how to better take care of myself and prioritizing energy every day to making small adjustments. So the two key things are there, the process of learning how to take care of myself, which changes because if myself changes, then how I take care of that self also needs to change. Um, but also prioritizing, making daily adjustments, prioritizing a certain amount of my daily energy towards my health process, which can mean various things. Um, and just some kind of like quick things that health is to me, health is proof of work, right? The state of my health is the proof of the work I've done to understand mm -hmm. and implement healthy habits and behaviors. Health is a, a playful process of exploration of just trying new things and being curious and having fun with it. Uh, health is my most important job. And I think this is a really recent insight, but you know, everyone talks about um, a job, the job they have or the work they do, but like the fundamental job we all have as humans before we even talk about our job that we do to make extra resources, to make money is health. Right? Mm -hmm. That is a fundamental job that we all are born with and have throughout our whole life. And if we treat it as the most important job, I think it really reframes where our energy goes during the day. Uh, health is a birthright, right? Because it doesn't take a bunch of money. It doesn't take a bunch of special abilities to be healthy. It's our default way of being. Uh, in a disease centric world, it is work to be healthy, but it's your birthright. Everyone has access to health, right? I, I really start to get frustrated when I hear people say, oh, it must be nice to have money and afford health. It's like actually health is free. Um, if you understand it, right. Going for a walk is free. Uh, deciding what you spend your, your, your attention on is free. Um, and we all have those choices. Health is an inside job, so nobody can do it for you. And the last one is health is what makes my time valuable. Right. Time is the only scarce resource, but without health, time is actually a burden. So health is what makes time valuable. And that's a, you know, even, and that's even trying to slim it down. So health is just this big, broad thing. But if we can anchor down on some common principles that we hold ourselves, uh, hold close to ourselves, and then also sort of create a conversation around creating a collective definition of what health means, you know, like we ask every person in our money network that joins to explain what their definition of health is in one sentence. And maybe we go to that next because, mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to pick our top three. And I think it's important, you know, asking people how they define health in a single sentence is like a beautiful way to survey what the pulse is in terms of how people define health. And, you know, hearing how others define health helps to also shape my definition of health. And, uh, you know, by reading through a bunch of the definitions, which I hadn't done until we kind of were prepping for this call, uh, or this lesson rather, um, I learned, I, I built a much broader perspective and it was really, you know, I found some common threads and principles and maybe if you want to start and just for the record, Ruth and I chose these completely independently without knowing what each other had chosen. And we did find overlap and there's like hundreds of people who mm -hmm. have filled out that answer. So I didn't go through every single, I think there's even a thousand now yeah. people on mighty. So. There's a lot of answers, but it's funny how we overlapped on a few of them. So do you want to start by reading your, uh, your top picks? Yes. So I thought that was interesting too, because there were, I mean, I sc scrolled through like 300 definitions. And so these are the, these are the ones that stood out to me. Do we want to say the name Nikki pop of who, what, of who the mighty member was or no? Um, let's just give their initials. Okay. Oh, good idea. Okay. So. I'm gonna, okay, so one was the ability to recover and adapt well to stress, initials B, BJ. Um, the, ability to, the ability to feel and identify how I am at any point. In other words, know thyself, initials BP. Um, and the third one, which resonated the most with my definition, I was like, how did I, how did he do that in so little few words, my definition, yeah. <laughs> um, a high quality of life made as simple as possible. And that was CT, but I asked my spouse too, Matthew, and he said the peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, that's deep. That's super deep. <laughs> that's like, that puts it all into everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those are, those are the ones, Nikki. Amazing. Okay. And then my three were one, having the ability to be physically and mentally ready for any and all of life's events. And that was by AC. Um, the ability to recover from and adapt well to stress by BJ was one that you chose. Mm -hmm. um, our natural state was a really, 
that one I like sat on. It's only three words. I'm like, shit, that's a good one. That's um, so good. By EM. And then uh, the fourth one that I chose was the same one that you did from BP, which is the ability to sense, feel, and identify how I am at any point. In other words, know thyself. And that was a, mm-hmm. I really like that one. Me too. Um, and the common threads, you know, like there was a lot of, the definitions varied very widely, right? Some mm-hmm. of them were very narrow in scope. Uh, like for example, not being diseased, not being in pain. Like that's kind of the narrow, important, but also um, narrow in scope. And then you have ones that bridge into, um, you know, not just the physical realm, but also the mental and the spiritual realm. Um, a really common thread I saw was the ability to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably a reflection of the fact that a lot of people have had issues with their health that prevented them from doing what they want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a really fun exercise to kind of read through those. And I think gave a broad, like a broader data set to kind of like refine and, and challenge my definition of health with it's like seeing how all these people defined it and how elegant some of them were and how simple mm-hmm. they were, mm-hmm. um, was really cool to, to sort of see. Yeah, I agree with that. Awesome. So I think the next point that we should talk about is health, uh, being a process, not a destination. And, you know, when I was doing uh, towards the end of 2019, when I was still doing seminars, I would start to really ask people like try and get a pulse on what they felt health was. And I think a lot of people have this misconception. I could be wrong, but this is sort of what I've gathered that health is a look, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, that person looks healthy. Mm-hmm. right? The pro athlete, the person with shredded abs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that look like that, that are insanely unhealthy, by the way. Um, I'm still, I'm still naive in that way. You know, I, I, I still fall prey to like, wow, that person looks so healthy or, or super brown skinned, you know, that tan yeah. or all the, the look that I still do fall prey to that. Like, wow, they must be able to do everything they want to do. They look that way. Well, and I, th- I think there's, I don't want to go too extreme because I'm sure there's some truth to that. There's some people who look healthy that are very healthy, but, but the goal of achieving a look oftentimes can be done at the expense of health. Like I know some people who bought, who are bodybuilders or who compete in fitness competitions that have the Mm -hmm. healthy look, but the way they get there is by radically compromising their mental and physical health. And Mm -hmm. so it's this weird thing. So a lot of people, I think, think health is a look or health is a destination. When you get to healthy, you're there, work is done. And I think the reality is that health is an ongoing process that you go through throughout a lifetime. It's not a destination that you get to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of health as a process, not a destination. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to plenty of foot nerds who have confirmed exactly what you're saying that, and myself included, I, I was a gym rat. I, I worked in strength and conditioning, cages, you know, with all the professors taking creatinine supplements and doing like crazy things. And I remember thinking like, wow, it seems like I'm in the health industry, but nothing here actually seems all that healthy. So, um, but you know, like over time health as a process, I think when I was younger, I definitely held a different definition of health and pursued what I thought to be health in a different way. And it seems to me that as we, as we age and as we have different life experiences, the, it is a natural process, um, defining health and then course correcting and refining and nuancing and paying attention. And I guess health as a process, not a destination is, you know, it's like health can be synonymous with just life, you know, like all of those memes and all of those catchy phrases about like, life is life is it's not the destination it's the journey and all of those things like you could probably replace those words and have the same have the same um ultimate meaning we all intuit that this feels right you know um but it doesn't keep us from falling prey to getting our attention hijacked by images and marketing and such like that but i noticed that we were having this conversation yesterday about time and and money and how it seems like if we naturally create, if we could create time and space to just reflect on how does our body feel? How do our emotions feel? How does, how do things feel? If we could protect our time enough to have a little bit of space in the world to reflect on that. To me, it seems like we are come, we come into the world with factory settings that we have the ability to naturally course correct. If we're not, you know, if our, if we're not hijacked by the greater marketing world around us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
like we have, we're born with body literacy of being able to mm-hmm. listen and hear and tune into the lessons our body's telling us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get distracted away from listening to that like voice or that intuition because there's so much noise. And so the signal gets, it's like the signal never left. It's just, it got mm-hmm. so drowned out that we've actually forgotten to listen to it. Um, exactly. and it's kind of like when you hear, have someone listen to, uh, I listen to Baroque sometimes music. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, I just find it really cool. And at the start it did, I just heard, like, I didn't hear, I wasn't hearing deeply. And then I started to like watch some videos of people who comment on Baroque. And I was like, whoa. I was on layer one. There's like 50 yeah. layers to be able to listen to this exactly. music. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we have to relearn how to listen to the layers of signals that we get from our bodies. And I mm-hmm. think that requires time, right? Mm-hmm. And if your time is being spent on other things, whether you're aware of that or not, or if your time is being stolen based on the money you choose to use, then there's simply not enough time to literally just think and feel and reflect. Mm-hmm. And I think this notion that the Health is a process of mindful exploration. I think mindful is a really big key there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost like, you know, the the goal is to explore so you get a better understanding of what the landscape's like. And to explore uh, without mindfulness essentially is just being lost, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I, okay, there's a new area of a forest. I want to explore, but I want to find my way so that I can find my way back and also know how to like direct other people if they want to explore there. Well, if I just go in there, and I don't write anything down. I'm not paying attention and I'm just wandering around. I'll probably just get lost and I'm not going to get any valuable information. Um, whereas if I take notes down and I kind of map out the area and I'm being mindful of, oh, there's that tree that looks like this here and you, you can draw a map. And then all of a sudden you have a much better idea of what the territory looks like. Um, and then, you know, if I need water, I go there. If I need this, I go there because you've explored it mindfully enough to take kind of notice of the significant things um, on your exploration journey. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, to me, it's always a health is always a balance of exploration and for lack of a better word, exploitation. So I want to just define those quickly because to me, exploring is trying new things, generating new data, playing with a wide variety of inputs An input can be anything you expose your body to it can be like a certain amount of sleep, a certain kind of food, a walk, a movement, whatever. So exploring is trying new things, exploiting. And the definition of exploit is the action of making use of and benefiting from information. I think usually we have a negative connotation to exploiting, but in this case, it's like applying the lessons you learned when exploring and to give a concrete example with food, for example, exploration with food would be to try out different monthly food experiments. So what you eat, what food you eat, when you eat it, how you eat it, monitoring your energy levels, your mood, monitoring your poops, like literally Mm -hmm. that's exploring. It's like, okay, I'm just going to try a bunch of different things, get a bunch of new data. Exploitation would then be reviewing my notes, discovering what foods made me feel the best, and then making use of that information by adopting that, that data that I kind of was able to tease out and exploiting that by making that my default way of eating, like what I eat, when I eat, how I eat it. And so the problem I think happens a lot when people exploit too early, right? They don't explore fully. So they only have like 50 data points. And so they exploit the best of those 50. But if you had a thousand data points, you probably have a lot of much better data points to select from. And so it's like really a fine balance of like explore, then exploit. Don't exploit too early. Don't forget to explore because that's really important to get the data. Um, Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think people take data from other people like Ruth, I have the best diet. I felt so good when I was on this. Here's the diet. People exploit Mm -hmm. that, but they don't actually explore whether that's true for them or don't actually explore like the food landscape before they just do some diet that some person told them to do. Um, so yeah. What do you think about that sort of framework? Well, I just wanted to say what, you know, like I, I, as you're talking about this, um, but people just doing what other people say, a sister, um, I have this diet or whatever. I I think that the exploration part has been taken away from us because we've allowed it to, but also just because we're conditioned to have the, we we've been conditioned so much from the world around us to say, we know what's best for you do this mm-hmm. so that the exploration doesn't even seem like a consideration between the time and other people telling us what we should do that. We don't even consider that we have like a, that our body is essentially a sensory. It's us. We're like recept. We're just nervous receptors taking input and designed to explore 
feel and adjust, you know, and we don't even give our, we don't even stop to give ourselves credit for that. I mean, I I do this even with you. I'm like, well, Nick said it works. I'm going to do that. But I have enough, I have enough experience now to know, like, if there's, if something happens negatively or there's a response that's negative, I'd be like, well, maybe that's for Nick, but not so much for me. Um, And then mindful, that's one of those words that I had to go back again and look up because it's like one of those words that I've become numb to because we use it so much. And I found two, one was a state of conscious awareness. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I realized like, oh, we throw that one around, like we throw that definition around. And then the next one I found made more sense, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. I mean, and that essentially is your, is what you're talking about exploring and adjusting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that I th- it seems to me that exploration is something that this all sounds scientific too. Like when you talk about it, you're like, well, you do this, you gather data points, but it's something that we, our bodies just naturally do in the world around us that we have to recreate because we've have this artificial environment with artificial comforts, you know? Yeah. We are data processing machines, whether we realize yes. it or not. Every time Such you walk badass by, data processing machine. Yeah. And every time you walk on the sidewalk and don't get hit by a car, it's a data point to say it's sidewalk is safe. I should probably walk on the sidewalk. Um, you know, and, and we're making these, we're assessing probabilities and optimizing for our circumstances all the time. Mm-hmm. The problem is if we're not taking a mindful approach to that, we can get hijacked by false probabilities that are getting thrown in, in, into our awareness mm-hmm. or being pushed on us. We don't know how to parse out the noise from the signal. So we focus on the wrong things or we take in the wrong data, which gives us a skewed probability and then messes with our understanding of health. And I think there's nothing wrong with taking data from someone else that you trust has gone through that process, but you need to take that data as a raw input to explore, not as something to straight up exploit. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, this brings us to the next point, which is the continuum of, of responsibility. And I think this ties into this really well, because taking responsibility really means taking ownership of your human experience and health as a subset of that human experience. And it's really easy to get distracted all the time um, and to forfeit responsibility and not really put energy into the process of taking ownership. And, you know, I think, I think the notion that health is work and that it is a job and that it requires energy. uh, It doesn't just happen. I think that really needs to land with people for them to really see this. And um, you know, avoiding responsibility is, is easy. It's convenient. It's very comfortable to never actually acknowledge that you are responsible for, for some, some of your experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and avoiding responsibility is, you know, blaming others, blaming circumstances in your life that you can't modify. It's not this, this isn't a problem with me. It's because this is happening to me, that, that mindset where you are the victim. I, you know, people demonize the word victim mindset, but I think at the end of the day, forfeiting all responsibility means you're, you're stuck being a victim. And I think some people get stuck there. Um, you know, to give an example, it's like, okay, my knee hurts. So forfeiting responsibility would be the inner dialogue would be, well, my knee hurts. Uh, I'm getting old. So I blame my age for my knee hurting. I blame my broad body being crappy for my knee hurting. Uh, and then I have to find someone to fix my knee for me. Like that is the forfeiture of responsibility. And it sucks because our medical system is fundamentally disempowering and requires us to forfeit responsibility in order for it to continue profiting. That's a That's really right. squirrely one. That is a constant nudge for us giving away responsibility to the people who are, who know, right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas someone taking on full responsibility in that context, the assumption they make, the fundamental assumption is that my body works perfectly until I cause it problems. Therefore, if something is wrong, I'm going to ask myself first, what am I doing to create this problem before seeking something external to blame it on? And so Yeah. I really just think, and it's a continuum, right? Zero responsibility, Mm -hmm. full responsibility, both extreme ends of the continuum. No one's at either end Mm -hmm. uh, necessarily. We're all somewhere along that continuum. And the goal is not to be somewhere. It's to always be in motion towards reclaiming full responsibility. And so Mm -hmm. as long as you're moving in that direction and it's like a dynamic equilibrium, right? Like you, you float along that line quite a bit, but as long as the trend is that you're moving towards responsibility, then Mm -hmm. you are doing health well. Mm -hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? 
Well, I, will, I would like to illustrate a couple of, I would like to illustrate this point at the zero end of the spectrum, the victim mindset, because I was one of the ones in the very beginning when you were creating the healthy continuum and we were talking about it, I was like, ooh, victim mindset, yikes. But now <laughs> I, I feel fierce about this. And I think it's because I'm gathering more and more stories. So I'd like to illustrate this with a story because at first I was very gentle about this whole thing, um, the health continuum. Um, and as we were preparing for this lesson, I spoke to a friend who told me about her father who had had a heart attack a few years ago. Um, he had some stents put into his heart, reversible heart disease. Uh, uh, the family gathered around him to give him tools to be able to reverse his heart disease. And he did not take the bait on creating better health for himself. Recently, he had another heart attack. He had some more stints put in. Um, when he woke up in the hospital, he, he's, been, he's been there for three days or what, what have you. Um, while he was in the hospital over those three days, he said he felt like he dozed off. He heard a crack. He woke up and they had shocked him. They used the defibrillators to shock him back into life again and his heart rate plummeted and then it skyrocketed so they had to shock him um which alarmed me that he was that far removed for them from the sensations in his body that he was probably going to die had they not used the electric shockers on his heart that's just crazy if you just okay. think about that for a second <laughs> i know but let me just finish before i forget and then you yes. you just tell me what you think of all this because yeah. then the family came to his bedside. Obviously, I'm probably using like dramatic words, but came to his okay. bedside and said, when we go home, um, we're going to get a plan. And he said, for what? So then when the doctor came in and asked him if he had any questions, he said, doc, I take my medicine every day. Why did this happen? And I, my heart is starting to beat really fast right now because I, I am, because you, I heard you talking recently about um, nescience and ignorance. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea of ignorance being that you have the information right in front of you and people that you love and care about are trying to give it to you and you are ignoring it, um, is one thing that you're not, and his other, his other, and this is not, this is, can be any number of thousands, millions of stories in families. This is not just one specific, like very, you know, com uh, uncommon story. Um, then he said that he hopes that he, he's lived a good life. And then if he dies, he's ready to go. But the case is, is that nobody ever does just die fast and hard and go down like James Dean style in a blaze of glory. They tax the, we as a culture, sick folks that can have their health reversed with all of the six pillars tax the medical systems, tax the tax system, tax the people around them. Meanwhile, I heard you having a podcast with Andy Bryant and his definition of health was, I wanna stay healthy so that I can continue to help others. The discrepancy here is mind blowing because what ends up, what you end up seeing are these, this like super generous people who try to stay healthy so that they can help other people. And you get like a burnt out sick, health professional society with a completely sick population that can be reversed like 90, 80 or 95% of all cases that go into the hospitals are lifestyle related illnesses that can be reversed. So that's what I have to say about the healthy continuum. Nick. Yeah. That's a really good example of the health responsibility continuum of someone who is constantly getting signals that he needs to start taking more responsibility or else he'll continue having consequences. And yet um, chooses not to, to learn those lessons mm -hmm. and the lessons keep repeat. It's like school, right? If you fail a mm -hmm. lesson, you have to repeat the lesson and it gets harder every time in life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like pain, right? And the, the, the hope is that eventually the lesson lands when it is so uncomfortable that it is impossible to continue along the same path, either because you're dead or you're in so much pain and life is so terrible that you have no other path, but to take the path of accepting responsibility. The unfortunate part is that with good intentions, people lovingly support these people and don't mm -hmm. actually um, hold them responsible, right? Mm -hmm. Like your doctor's not responsible for your heart, my friend. Um, 
and I don't know, I, you know, maybe doctors have to, doctors don't understand health. I think this is like the fundamental core of so much of the medical system that runs awry is like, I think if doctors knew that health, I think they know that health should be the patient's responsibility, but we broke down the word responsibility into response able. Mm -hmm. If you think that eating better is someone's responsibility because their heart is breaking down, do you actually know that person knows how to eat better? Do you even know how to eat better as a doctor? Because you didn't learn about it in school. So unless you have a special interest and took a real keen interest in food, you probably don't know about it. Um, just the fundamentals of food, not nutrition, food. And so, yeah, I, I think we have to make sure, and, and you didn't define nescience, but nescience is just not knowing, right? Right. No. Which, so, uh, you, could, which you could understand, right? Like if somebody sure. doesn't have the information, but you have to be pretty, you have to be putting your blindfold, blindfold on. And this is not to like blame people who are in this position, right? Like I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. There's no blame ever. I don't right? think there's but blame like, ever. Right. But, but, but it is time. And I think this is why it is, it does feel fierce. Like this is not a time in history, especially in the last few years. Like if you want to, I mean, not to be like crass, but get busy living. If you're not getting busy living and attending to your health, then you're dying and, yeah. and you're, and you're going to only get to go one of two ways essentially. Yeah. And, and, we just have to know that it is possible. I think yes. fundamentally you need to know it's possible to take responsibility. Yes. We need to be resourceful to finding out the information and exploring so that we can actually like make changes and have a sense of agency with our health. Mm -hmm. We have to know that me modern medicine exists if we ever need it, but most of what we're using it for is are things that we're not taking responsibility for. Maybe and just to, to add that, to add in there, the modern medicine is also amazing at what it, what it does. Like we, humans are innovated, innovative, and brilliant at what we do in medicine, but it's also a taxed system. So taxed, I mean, I think the numbers are up there, like 80 or 90% of like the people that come in to use that system, like doctors can't even do what they're designed to do, which is emergency medicine for the most part. Right. I mean, that's yeah. really what, that's really what they are amazing at. That's what all the TV shows are about, you know, the ER room and how yeah. the glory is there that they save lives, but that's not what we're doing on a daily basis. They're getting burnt out because they have to say, they have to like keep people just barely alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think the core notion is that we all want to move towards taking more responsibility. Yes. It's available to everyone. Yes. Um, and it's really important to be, to want to work towards that. And it has to be important enough to you to put in the work. And once again, taking responsibility is work, it takes effort, takes energy. Therefore, unless you value health and have an understanding of what health even means and choose to prioritize time working on your health, uh, it doesn't do it on its own. So yes. I think that's and, be and best accomplished in a group of other people that are doing the same thing in the yeah, same because way. I think there's like taking responsibility is way harder alone than it is within a group, right? Mm -hmm. Within a group where we can all feed off each other, learn from each other, hold each other yeah. accountable. Like I need mm -hmm. to be held accountable just like anyone else. Right. And so having people surrounding yourself with people who you keep accountable and there's a reciprocal understanding that they will keep you accountable. And this is where the learning partners and the, and the learning pods come into play. I think those will be good experiments to do to see, does that, does that little micro system do a good job at keeping everyone accountable on the same page? Right. Um, so yeah, I think the next thing we had written down was this notion that health is, we already talked about health as a process and it's a lifelong process. So mm -hmm. where does the foot nerve program fit into this? Right. Um, because what we wouldn't want people to think is that I do the foot nerve program a an hour a day for 360 days and then I'm done. And really what it is, is designed to be a framework to help you define health, learn fundamental principles that you can apply, engage in experiments within a community. And it's almost like the basic training initiation to acquire and develop strategies that you then apply for your life, right? Like harness, like gather all the tools on this 360 day journey that you then use to apply in your life and form relationships and learn it's just a shitload in this initiatory period. But the Footner program is not the end right? This is mm -hmm. the, the, it's like a, it's the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg that hopefully we've designed in a way that prepares people for the rest of the iceberg. Yes. So. Yeah. Agreed. 
Agreed. You have you get to you get to be with people. You get to explore. You're not only held accountable to each other in the intellectual sense, but I mean, one, tell me what you think about this. But it seems that you just naturally watch, and by the state of mimesis, like the mimicking and seeing what people do around you that works and doesn't work. I mean, just being surrounded by people who, I don't know, like when you showed me that punchy thing where you put around your head and you punch that thing. I use that every day. It's been two years. I love that thing. I would have never known about that if I didn't have a friend who was like, I do this every morning for 200 punches, you know, or little things that you just are like, Ooh, I want to be like that guy. I'm going to do what he does. Yeah. And it's inspiring to be around people Mm -hmm. who are also taking, who are putting in the work and leading by example and taking responsibility for their health. It's very inspiring because you realize you're not alone. If your motivation is dwindling, if you had a hard day and you see someone uh, did something or like had a big win, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, you get fired up. And I think being Mm -hmm. around like-minded people on a similar mission coming from different, a diverse background is like a really cool way of, um, starting off the journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not, so I don't feel so arrogant to say like, we need people to take care of themselves. You know, we need, we need, um, we need each other so bad right now. We need each other taking care of, (laughs) taking care of ourselves takes care of the world around us. That's, that's so important. Yep. I agree. And it, you know, another point we had written down was holding health as a core value. And I think Ooh. values are something where like, wh- what is a value to me? It's something that I actually value. Like I just use it in the literal sense and then it becomes, okay, how clear am I on the things that matter to me? Like, can I, can I say the top three things that matter to me in my life? Um, to me personally, it's health, meaningful relationships and meaningful work. And I think the last two are what are big contributors to health. Um, so do you know your values? Are you clear on your values? And then more importantly, how does, how you spend your time and your money and your energy align with what you have proclaimed to be your values? Because I think some people will say, you know, the values that they think people should be saying, but they don't actually check whether they're living in alignment with what they consider their values. And I think it's a, that's a really important, you know, step one, hold truly authentically hold health as a core value, like deep in your soul, health has, health has to really matter for you. Um, I also think that some people haven't actually achieved a, a state of optimal health to realize how freaking good it is. Yeah. Right? How good it feels. If you don't know how it's, good health feels, you don't know where you're missing. <laughs> yeah. It feels like re- lately I'm just like, it just feels like relief. I just feel, I feel good, but it, I feel relief. Like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't always mean like joy and happiness and skipping no. and rainbows. Like health also no. involves a lot of hard shit, a lot of difficult things, but you're right. It is a relief. And just knowing and also- that like I've taken care of myself. I don't have to be scared of the world hurting me because I've done everything I can to make myself resilient and able to hold my own in, in this environment, right? I don't mm-hmm. worry about a virus because guess what? I take care of myself every day to prepare myself to see a virus, which I never believe will happen. Therefore, I'm not scared of it when it happens. Mm-hmm. And that's also not to say that you don't like, like I, I have knee pain still, but I know how I have the tools to be able to assess it and handle it and course correct and, and you know, I have the tools I need to be, to, I know my body the best. And so like, if I, if, and when I choose to engage with a team of professionals to help me fix a certain thing, that's like, I'm still in control of the one true asset that has been assigned to me from when I was born to when I leave the planet, like, this is it, this is it, this is mine. It belongs to me. And the, and, and we also belong taking care of it. And I'm in charge of taking care of it. And that taking care of my human body and my brain and my emotional and spiritual health is the most profoundly selfless act that I can think of. Like it is, it is the biggest gift I can give to the people around me that they will not have to burden themselves with, with me when I, because I've taken care of myself, you know, and not that things won't go wrong, but like, I'm, I'm in charge. I don't need to like give, I I don't need to be like a, a burden to the society. Yeah. And with health, selfish and selfless are synonymous, I think. Right? Yes. It's like, 
you can be selfish in that you radically prioritize taking care of yourself, which actually ends up being a selfless act because then you're better able to take care of other people, not be a burden for other people. So mm -hmm. it's very, I think, important to note that people feel a, sometimes a sense of guilt where it's like, I'm not going to do this work or I'm not going to go to this thing because I want to take care of myself and they feel guilty. It's like, I don't feel guilty at all. I feel great mm -hmm. knowing that I'm making a decision to improve my health so I can be of service, better mm -hmm. service to the world and never be a burden. Yeah. Um, and life is designed to be a party, Nikki Pop. So like when you come to the party and you feel great, you, you, you're dancing and you're participating and it spreads out into the world. You go to the party and 95% of the people are like really not feeling well and, and have all the complaints and stuff. I mean, I see this all around me on a regular basis. It's like when people don't feel good, you don't do good. And you don't, you don't have any like joy to spread into the world. It's not like you have to do anything, but just be health and then it makes the world a better place like that's a badass gift i agree find the find the good parties don't be life you know, is a good yeah if go to the good life party. can be a good party if you're if you're good at partying and you mm -hmm. gotta be healthy to be good at partying <laughs> yeah um let's talk about the dangers of uh and actually even people listening pause this write down three of your core values they might yes. change over time it's like health right these things are fluid um but write down three of your core values and then Take note of how does your life align with that prioritization? Like be honest with yourself of, is my life in a line? And, and you know what? At any point, the answer should be no, right? Because there's always ways to improve alignment. And so then it just becomes a matter of like, what can I work on tomorrow? What can I work on today to bring my life into better alignment with the values I just wrote down? Mm -hmm. uh, Ruthie Pop, let's hear you talk about the dangers of comfort and convenience, because this is a very rel relevant term today. Uh, and then after that, we'll do some, we'll talk about some experiments and then we'll uh, wrap this puppy up. So dangers of comfort and convenience as it relates to health. Yes. The dangers of comfort and convenience. Um, I want to talk about how humans are amazing. Like we're innovative. We've created every time I wake up in the morning and I just look at a building that has like plumbing or something, or there are like millions of things to observe in the world about how we are how our opposable thumbs and our brains work together and build like amazing shit. We can go to the moon. We can do all this stuff. We've created um, comforts for our bodies that have become detrimental to our health. We're designed, we're comfort seeking um, organisms. And so with cars and rich foods and, you know, other bodily sensations that we have glutted ourselves with because we're comfort seeking the easiest, most efficient comfort. It seems to me that the danger of that is that, uh, you fall prey to being a numb, sick, amoeba-like organism on the couch, <laughs> watching Netflix for 20 years and never in, never even like feeling what it feels like to be truly human, which is the human organism is designed to feel good by its, by, being by, the, nat yeah, by the nature of what it is. So that we, yeah, we, our bodies want to be challenged. They're like, I, I see my body as like a, a stallion champion racing horse and it needs to be exercised and it needs to be worked and it needs to have great apples. <laughs> um, and it needs to, and it needs all of these inputs that, that because of our human innovation doesn't get. So we have to create the danger. So the danger of being so sick and then like being a burden to ourselves and everyone around us and dying a, a sad, lonely death um, is that we have to create new challenges, artificial challenge, seemingly artificial challenges to find the natural things that our bodies like to do, like useful movement that feels great, like testing our bodies, maybe by carrying groceries or gardening. Um, it's surprising the positive impact on bodies and mental and emotional health that just getting your hands in the soil and making a plant grow has on I mean, there's a bajillion studies that show the benefits of like what the body wants to do naturally in the way of movement and then food, you know, like we have to actually create in our new modern world, the um, inputs that seem artificial, but are actually natural. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like this giant mismatch of our biology is the same as it has been for thousands of years. It's unchanged, changes mm -hmm. very slowly. Uh, but the environment we live in is essentially totally alien to, uh, as it relates to our biology, 
mm-hmm. right? And we're just not, we're not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, technology outpaces biology by many, many orders of magnitude. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we've always evolved to take up as, as little energy as possible because from a survival standpoint, it was good, right? You didn't like someone in an African tribe, you go tell them you're exercising and be like, dude, I'm sleeping. <laughs> like, why are you wasting that energy, man? <laughs> I have to work really hard to get that energy to put in my mouth. Um, and so we have this weird thing where now everything can be done for us. We don't have to do anything. We don't and even have to I chew, Nikki Pop. We don't even have to chew. You can just sip through a straw from Uber Eats and watch Netflix. Like that's, that's never been possible in human history before uh, and, and still be able to survive. So I think the important thing is to, to acknowledge that, right. To acknowledge that we're all going to get tempted into the world of convenience. And that's not a bad thing, but if it's come, we have to be honest with ourselves about whether or not that's coming at the expense of our health, right? If we never move because we never have to move, but not moving creates huge amounts of pain in our body and limitations. Well, that's not a good thing. And we need to, we need to troubleshoot. Um, so yeah, just knowing that purposely imposing challenge in your life is the key to developing resilience right? Like you might never be forced to go outside in the cold underdressed. You might never need to do that. But if you do it on purpose, it makes you really understand the value of calming your mind and taking deep breaths such that if you ever were forced outside in the cold underdressed, you'd be like, train for this. I've done this yep. before. It's not that bad. I'm going to be okay. Right. And, and so you might like, even thrive, you might even thrive under those circumstances because you're trained for it. Yep. You might even thrive. And so I think just like Building a resilient body requires ourselves to purposely place ourselves in the face of challenge, which is counter to our evolutional evolutionary programming. And so just knowing that allows you to at least have, you know, some ability to apply that, right? You're no longer nescient. If you choose to never challenge yourself, then you're doing such in an ignorant way because you know that that's what we need. So I think if everyone just understands that there's a danger of comfort and convenience. Comfort and convenience is actually what's killing us more. So if you look at the top killers, it's, it's like the convenience of eating uh, food made in factories that is super cheap and the comfort of never having to move um, is what's killing us. And mm-hmm. so if we just realize that and realize that, okay, we need to embed some challenge in our lives and to succeed at challenges probably requires us to do it uh, in, with others because it's easier to face challenge as a group. And so I think- And, it, more, like, and more fun and more fun way more fun. So yeah, beware of comfort and convenience and be aware that to purposefully put challenges in front of you in a broad array of playful, fun things that are like kind of scary, but also like not dangerous, um, is a good thing. You know what? And that can mean that challenge can be physical. It could be like doing a hard workout, doing a hard hike. It could be not eating food for 48 hours. That's a hard Mm -hmm. physical challenge for some, for some people more challenging than others. Um, putting ourselves in challenging situations in terms of relationship, right? Like it's hard to keep calm and be mindful during confrontation, but that's a good, you know, like I purposely put myself in challenging situations because it, it shows me where my boundary is and it allows me to kind of like learn lessons that I wouldn't learn by taking the easier path. Um, so yeah, anything to say to wrap that up and then we'll talk, share some experiments. Well, just in the, just in the way of when you say put yourself in challenging situations, even if it's not a hard hike, I remember the first time when I had the recognition that my body, my body's natural instinct was to not move because it hurt and it was stiff. But when I actually went through a class where I, w- I moved rigorously and it was actually counterintuitive, the thing I needed, you know? Like I actually needed the movement in order to not feel painful and stiff anymore. I mean, that it could be like that, that low on the spectrum of like challenges, right? Like it doesn't even have to be a hard hike. It could be like, my hip has been stiff for so long. Surely I need a hip replacement. When in fact, really maybe what you might need is to move the hip around slowly and gently with like a lot of compassion and a lot of exploration and a lot of attention. And that in a couple of weeks, it's going to be pretty good. And you'll be able to do explore new challenges. That's what I have to yeah. say. And challenges, you know, back to the fasting thing, challenges don't have to always be by addition. Like yeah. a really good challenge for a lot of people is sit down with yourself for five minutes with no external input. That's a challenge by subtraction. That's really hard for a lot of people. Like I think the 30 day meditation project that we had in the 2021 program, uh, where it was like five minutes a day for 30 days straight. It was a struggle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It was very hard. And I can relate because when I first started to try and do a daily meditation practice, like it was freaking hard, Ruth. Yep. It was so hard. It was so much harder. It was almost, I felt so silly not being able to just do five minutes without 
my mind wandering or trying to reach for my phone or whatever. And so it doesn't challenge doesn't always have to be more. It can actually be less. It can be by subtraction yep. sometimes. And those are really great challenges. And hopefully the experiments that we recommend in each of these 36 lessons will give you some templates for trying to apply challenges in your life, physical challenges, mental challenges, all the above. And we look forward to all the nerds who go through this program to recommend experiments or challenges that they've done. And the whole idea is we'll start with a template of five experiments for each lesson. We want that to expand by people suggesting experiments they're doing that they're getting value from. So if you're listening to this, um, please, as you go through the program, suggest submit a poll request on GitHub or send a message to one of the lesson teachers on Slack. Let them know experiments that you've done and gotten benefit from so we can add it into the mix. Yes. Um, so lesson 1.2 experiments. We already talked about a few of these, but one of them is define health for yourself. That's a really good experiment to start with. Very simple. Um, and then audit that definition, like put prompts in your logbook, like every I don't know, maybe every 50 days and like say review health definition, look back and see like, has my definition changed? Is my perspective different? Do I have a broader understanding to craft a better definition? Um, so revise it and definitely revise it at the end of the program. Uh, ask three friends and family uh, members how they define health and see how varied, see number one, what the reaction is when you ask them on that, uh, how quickly they reply or how varied their replies are. That, that's a really good experiment as well. Um, with regards to the responsibility health responsibility continuum, write down three areas of your health that you want to increase the level of responsibility you're taking. I think that's a really potent one because it's really easy mm -hmm. to talk about what we're doing well. It's often harder to say like, what are things I'm, I, I self-acknowledge myself as not doing well. And I want to take more responsibility because mm -hmm. level step one is like create, just have the awareness from the awareness. You can develop a strategy and then you can execute the strategy and have different plans to troubleshoot whether you're successful or not, but starting with just saying, what are three areas of my health as specific or as general as you want to define them that you wish to take more responsibility with? Um, yeah. And then even just, uh, within your group, share the definitions of health that you heard, share your definition with your pod mates and your learning partner, share the definitions that you received from your family. And maybe if you want someone to keep you accountable, share areas of your health that you want, that you're aiming to reclaim responsibility within. Um, yeah. Any, any other experiments uh, that you can think of or any comments on those experiments, Ruthie Pop? Those are great experiments. My experiments are like, go three days without your car and carry your groceries 42 miles. So that's no, a good experiment no. too. <laughs> I would say, I do like the idea of go as, on a weekend or a couple, even like start with a day, just see what it, life feels like to not drive your car and to go somewhere to get your food and bring it and carry it home with you. That would be a good experiment. That's a good one, which I wonder which lesson that goes in. Maybe the food experiment, the food lesson. Yeah. Or Combines food and movement. Yeah. There you go. All <laughs> right. Uh, so everyone listening, thank you for getting to this point. Thank you for uh, listening. We hope you found this lesson helpful. We hope that you were able to take some notes in your health log. Uh, listening to this is proof of work. So thank you for putting in the work and taking responsibility for your health. We hope that you are able to connect with your learning partner uh, and your pod mates to discuss some of the stuff that we covered in this lesson. Uh, thanks for being a foot nerd and ciao for now. Ciao for now.